0: welcome to hospice news elevate podcast my name is jim parker and i'm editor of hospice news and with me today is diana Previs. diana is an author speaker and coach who specializes in the healing arts providing a platform for people to dramatically improve their health and wellness diana has created an online educational series around a variety of topics to help people improve their health including grief gut health mental health and end-of-life care. Diana, thank you for being here. Thank you. And can you start by telling me some of your own professional background and your relationship to hospice and palliative
1: care? Um, Well, I spent over 12 years in oncology. I worked for a major hospital organization. I helped to provide patients to five different hospitals. And through that, I, I learned about, you know, I worked with many stage four cancer patients and, you know, many of them were dealing with end of life issues. And then from there, I went into working for a company that provided services for hospitals and different, you know, I would visit nursing homes, assisted living, and I saw the quality of end of life there and, you know, how they transitioned loved ones. And then I went into my own business as a coach, and I became a Reiki master, and I went more towards on the spiritual side, and I've actually transitioned people myself. And uh, what
0: drew you to this field?
1: Well, you know, it was about the beautiful, when I worked in oncology, you know, I used to tell people that I was, I felt very honored to be in the most important chapter of their life. Many of them, this was their last chapter. And, you know, when I started working with families, when I went and worked for a hospice company, I was able to help families, you know, on the journey of understanding that, you know, just because this was someone's end of life, you could make it the most qualitative part of their life. And it was very important for me for families and loved ones to have a closure. And I don't want to say a wonderful send-off, but, you know, a beautiful ending.
0: Thank you. And can you share a little about the work you're doing now in functional medicine and your educational efforts about grief and bereavement?
1: Well, working in oncology, I saw very similarities. with I worked with thousands of patients in my career. And you know, it you know, was very inspired by the cellular change of how we end up with, you know, physical decline. So I did a series on gut health once I went out on my own, and once I created my health and wellness platform, and it was called Happy Gut Healthy Lives. And it was centered around gut health. You know, Socrates said, you know, all disease starts in our guts. And now you can't walk three feet without seeing a probiotic on a shelf in the stores because people are having so many issues. Well, if you really, you know, kind of rewind a little bit further, you'll find that the emotional expressions, the cortisol and lactic acid that people release during stress is released into their adrenals, which feeds into their endocrine system. So with this, You know, an abundance of this over and over and over, you get people that will have, start to have issues. Unaddressed, these issues grow into bigger problems and they, it turns into chronic illness. One of the five stressors of the immune system is grief, loss, death of a loved one. So when you have that happen to you, what will happen is you're dealing with extreme emotions. You have all of these chemicals that are imploding into your gut. People are not going into self care. They will, there's a gut brain connection. There's also a neuro inflammatory response that happens with people. This can lead to chronic illness left on, you know, and it happens over time. One of the doctors, I, I did a series on journey through grief with grace. It's starting today, it's online, but there's 23 speakers that are around the world that speak about helping people to advance from this emotion. And and it's a very toxic emotion that people don't want to deal with. And so when I would work in oncology originally, I would say, well, what was going on in your life 18 months before you were diagnosed with cancer? And they would tell me some traumatic event that was happening to them and because of that stress that's where they got sick where this leads to end of life is i'm trying to work towards health prevention that's why i created this series do you think
0: that that now is a unique time to explore the subject of grief and bereavement in light of a pandemic that has cost nearly 630,000
1: lives yes very much so because you Haven't the series also addressed being able to really for people to understand the the difference between palliative care and hospice, and what hospice really does for people? And in answer to your question, there's just so much to say around it. You know, people have not been able to be with their loved ones, and you know because they were stuck in nursing homes or stuck in assisted living. And, you know, they have these unresolved issues around it. And what can lead to them is the unresolved feelings can, you know, there is such a thing as broken heart syndrome, and it's real. And, you know, we need to address the feelings, the emotions around this. If you have a better ability to complete a relationship in the end of life, you will have peace around that life that's moved on to the other side. And that's what I'm really trying to create with the series.
0: And could you share a little bit more about what you've learned through your experience working in oncology about the ways people approach the end of their lives?
1: Well, many of them, they fight it. And what, you know, I would fly people in from all over the country and even outside of the country to come to our hospitals for treatment. And I would see the patients were, you know, they were really wanting more quality life. They really wanted to maybe spend their Uh remaining days, moments with just sharing with loved ones, not doing chemo and having their head hanging over a toilet, you know, and I, forgive me for being so graphic, but the loved ones, the cure the loved ones, and I shouldn't say the caregivers, because often The oncology patients were the caregivers, and then everyone around them were falling apart because the person that always kept the glue in the family was the one that was sick. And so what I also saw was we would get everything in line for people to come, and they would suddenly pass before they arrived at our hospital unexpectedly, like from a heart attack or something like that something unexplained would happen to them. And I really felt in my mind and my heart that that person didn't want to go on with treatment. And I think there's a much better way of helping people to understand that hospice is life extenuating and quality extenuating of life when a person is at the end of their life. And it's their own decision to make that. And they have a care team around them that really supports them and keeps them out of the hospital through these emergency room visits, you know, urinary tract infections or things that people end up getting at the end of life. They're very prone to infection.
0: Thank you. And you've brought up, you know, the issue of of the caregivers, the family, the family caregivers or, or friends or whoever's involved supporting the patient. Many of us will find ourselves called to be caregivers for our loved ones, perhaps in unprecedented numbers as the population ages. What kind of support systems do you think we need to implement for caregivers?
1: Really more education around what a hospice team can do. Because when you are a caregiver by somebody's bedside and you're, you know, your loved one is going through the final stages and transition, it's exhausting. And that's where caregivers end up. And that's, again, where Journey Through Grief with Grace, this series, really addresses helps to address people that are being by someone's bedside, the self-care that you need, because we neglect our own health when we're taking care of someone else. When you have a hospice team, you have you know, several members that will be able to step up and help you out. And there's even respite care available to someone that is is taking care of somebody that is in their final stages, where if they don't choose to have hospice care, they're on their own.
0: And uh, how can people access Journey Through Grief with Grace?
1: Journey Through Grief with Grace, you can go online. You can find me on Instagram, Diana Previs. It is in my bio, but it's journeythroughgriefwithgrace.com, and I would put in Diana Previs. This series will pop up. You can register. There are 23 global speakers, and they go between functional medicine. To Jerry and I, have Geriatrician on there. I have nutritionists. I have psychiatric care. I have facilitators that do spiritual work, best selling authors on grief and transitioning loved ones. So there's a lot of information in there for people that are going through this time, this very difficult time for them. You're on there as well. Your yeah. interview.
0: Yes, that I appreciated being invited. What are some of the conflicts and challenges that healthcare providers experience when faced with the prospect of, you know, sending a patient to hospice or, or having a discussion of their end-of-life wishes?
1: Well, and one of the interviews on the show was with a geriatrician from the UK. And America and the UK, you know, one of the things that there's several things that she addresses. But she says as soon as somebody becomes her patient, she talks about end of life. She talks about the plan of action. You know, she wants to have all of that in place, even if the patient is in good stead at the time that he meets or he or she meets her. She also talks about, and we need to, you know, people that are in their elderly, you know, you need to have that plan of action in place if one of the biggest things that healthcare workers find is that patients don't have that. They don't have health directives. They don't have the end of life choices. And we were scrambling when, you know, when I worked with this hospice company, oftentimes they didn't have those directives in place. Even then when they were going into, when they were in these nursing homes and they were very, very ill. So, you know, it's very hard on the healthcare workers because their hands are tied even when it comes to you know knowing where to which funeral home where to take the loved one if that makes sense to you
0: now following the journey through grief virtual event what are your next steps in your work to further the conversation about bereavement
1: well the next steps of you know helping people is to really really help people to have the understanding about providing the best quality of life for someone is choosing hospice as an option. Really understanding all of the things that hospice can do. The next series that I will be doing will be centered around from 50 up forever young. It will be about reinventing yourself. But again, it's going to be about addressing, especially with this baby boomer generation exploding, we have a lot of loved ones entering into their final years. So I had on the show, for example, she is a really renowned homeopathic practitioner. And she has a huge following. And she talked; she's a very passionate Italian. And she says, you know, my dad was 96. And he would go grocery shopping and he would walk to the market, came home and he sat his groceries down and he sat in a chair and he just left this world just closing his eyes and took a rest. And it happened within minutes. So what I want to have people to know is, you know, even if you're living in your life to make sure that you have directives and things like that in place for your loved ones, because tomorrow is promised to no one.
0: Diana, again, thank you very much for being here and for your insights. I always enjoy speaking with you. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Please take care.
1: Thank you.